we have a, the privilege today, uh, Pastor Tim's out of town, he was doing a wedding uh, up in Pennsylvania, so we have the privilege today, we have a couple speakers, but our first speaker is Noah Bendel. Noah and his wife Esther and family are missionaries to Chad, and we actually support them monthly, uh, and we just love them, they're, um, they're, they're just doing an awesome work there in Chad, and he's going to tell you a little update on that and on his dad, Paul, so here we go, Noah. Morning. Love that they had you text in Pioneers. Um, we we're with an organization called Pioneers, actually based in Orlando. Um, yeah, we work in Chad. Now, when I say Chad, most people are like, who? Um, Chad is a country in North Africa. It's between Sudan and uh, roughly Nigeria, Niger, south of Libya. Um, and uh, uh, we've been there roughly four years on and off, not the whole time during those four years. And we work with a team called the SAND team. Now, SAND is an acronym. It stands for Sahel Arab Nomad Disciple Makers. Okay. Um, so Sahel, the Sahel is the region uh, where the Sahara Desert meets sub-Saharan kind of tropical Africa. It's that arid region. And that's where most of uh, the uh, pastoralist peoples live, so people with animals. Um, so they're the Sahel. Arabs, so we work with Arabs who live in the Sahel. And these Arabs who live in the Sahel, they are nomads. And the reason they're nomads is because they have animals. They have camels, goats, sheep, cows. And as the seasons change, they travel to keep their animals where there's something for them to eat, where there's water. Um, and we're wanting to do disciple-making. We want to uh, give these people who are nomads, who are always on the move, an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Um, so that's what we're, we've been working on. We've been learning French and Arabic. We've been trying to go camping with them. Um, it's not easy. Um, you know, going out into the bush and, and camping, uh, drinking camel's milk, which is actually pretty good. Uh, lots of tea, sitting on mats trying to tell them about Jesus in a language we don't speak very well yet, trying to read the Bible, Psalm 23 about shepherds, and, you know. Um, but there's so much in, in Scripture that actually uh, makes sense to them, so that that, that helps. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, during that time, uh, for half of that time, you all uh, have been uh, supporting us. Maybe you don't know that. Um, but um, when COVID came, we actually had to evacuate, um, the country basically said, we're closing all of our borders, we're closing our airports, everything. And the embassy said, well, we're going to schedule one flight. If you want to leave, you get on this flight. So we got on that flight because we were going to be all alone just having started the language in a country with <laughs> no access to the other outside world until, I don't know, the end of the apocalypse, um, for all we knew. And uh, so we got on a flight and we flew here and... Uh, you guys helped us out with that, even though you didn't even know us. You were, they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll put them up in a hotel. Um, and uh, so that's how we got to know you. Stay with my parents who attended here. And then when we went back, you were supporting us. And we went back to Chad, and we were only there six months. And then rebels came in from Libya. And the president got killed, and we had to leave all of a sudden. And so we got on a plane to Egypt. And you guys stepped in, and you're like, can we can we help pay for those plane tickets uh, or someplace to stay for you guys? So we went to Egypt, waited till things calmed down. We were back in Chad again. And then um, most recently, 
we left Chad again in a, in a bit of a not not a Chad emergency, but my dad, uh, many of you know, had a stroke, and then uh, he was moved up to Illinois to be closer to some of my siblings, and he had a massive heart attack, um, and he his heart stopped three times. And you know, I was in Africa getting these messages and thinking, man, I, you know, is this goodbye? Um, so we we came back kind of pretty quick um, to be with them. And, you know, praise God, he's doing well. Anyway, I haven't had a lot of time to prepare what I'm going to say because I've been packing up my parents' house and I just got here from Africa. Um, But uh, there's a couple things that have come to my heart to share with you. First of all, I want to say thank you. I want to thank you for your support. Thank you for making it possible for us to live our crazy lives in Africa. Thank you for loving my parents and, and being there for them and being their community all this time. Um, And thank you for being faithful, because your faithfulness uh, means that people like us can also be faithful, um, having you guys behind us. So thank you. It's the first thing I want to say. Now, when my, you know, when my, when I was getting those messages in Africa, um, and, you know, I was, I was at the dinner table, and I get a message from my, my oldest sister, and she says, you know, he's, he's probably dying right now. Your dad is probably dying right now. And what hit me then, you know, it's not, not fear, because my dad is so close to Jesus, I, I don't have any fear about what happens to him. Um, I know he's ready, but just feeling... Like, you know, I haven't had enough opportunities or taken enough opportunities to kind of return all the love that he's given to me through my life to, to say thank you. That's all I wanted. I was like, my prayer to God, my first prayer is, I just want him to hear me say thank you. And I got on my phone and I left a voice message I sent to my family and was like, can you play this for him in the hospital I don't know if he's still in his body or not, you know, but can you play this for him and God can make it so that he can hear it. Um, And they did. And later come to find out, he doesn't remember anything, but um, when he came to, he was like, can you play the, uh, the, the audios again? So he got the message. He heard it. Um, And it just, I've been reflecting on that. How, how much, me being in Africa with my family, taking these risks, being faithful to what God's called me to do, really is thanks to my dad. Because um, my dad came from a really broken home with, you know, an abusive dad um, who, you know, and, and just really difficult circumstances and poverty and because of Jesus, he lived a transformed life. He didn't pass on what, what he got from his dad, not, not the bad stuff. <laughs> um, his dad wasn't all bad. You know, everybody's uh, broken. But he, he lived a changed life. He lived a transformed life. And even throughout my years growing up, I could see certain things in him just changing and getting even better, you know, more generous, more caring. You know, he'd be always, you know, 
cleaning up the house, washing dishes and, you know, things that maybe a lot of dads, it's not what you would expect, you know. Um, and just loving my mom so much and, and I, I just have to say, and then, then my parents, they, they lived overseas. I grew up overseas um, as missionaries. So, you know, I'm, I'm standing on his shoulders, really. Um, the reason I could go to Chad, the reason I could have the courage to go there and, and do that work um, is because I have parents who, who, who moved in that direction and, um, and who support me in that. I have teammates who don't have that support. It's really hard for them. Um, yeah, there's a there's a great picture of them doing really well. Um, <laughs> praise God. He's he's up, up walking and talking. You know, we did not expect this. My prayer was, I just want him to hear me say thank you. And then I just want to see him, be, you know. I just want to see him alive. And, and then I just want to hear his voice, you know, because he had a tube and, and everything. And God has been answering prayers. He's up and walking and he's speaking. Um, so I just, I, I wanted to say a couple words about how important dads are, and especially in light of some of the things that have been happening this week. Um, what's, okay, I want to go in two directions here. Number one, I, I want to talk about theology a little bit. Um, when God made dads, um, well, let me back up a little bit. When God says, this is my son, my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. It's not that God is saying, these humans have this father-son relationship thing that makes sense to them. Let's tell them that my relationship with Jesus is the same, and they'll get it. It's not, it's actually, that's actually a backwards way of understanding it. Actually, fatherhood existed before there were humans. Does that make sense? That relationship of a father and a son is something that is God. God is father and son and Holy Spirit, right? And that relationship of love of a father for his son in a, in a perfect way existed before he even made us. And it was so good that God said, I want to share this. It's so good. I want to, I want to make people... And I want them to share in this relationship. I want them to experience this. So he made humans who have sons and who are fathers, right? And so when we are following, when we are being good dads, when I'm being a good dad, when any of you are dads out there being good dads, we are being like God. <laughs> we are being, we are being what we were created to be. We are living the gospel, right? Um, and, and so this is one reason, this is going to tie into what's happened this week. Um, now, I want to I bring something else up. I, so I love theology. I also love history, the history of the church. When, when you read some of the early documents about the church, you know, under Roman persecutions, um, you, you have this situation where there are a lot of people being killed for their faith, a lot of martyrs. And the, the local churches, they didn't just want to forget these people. They wanted to hold them up as examples. And so they would actually remember the day that they were killed and, and have like a, a, 
something in their church service or a party to remember these people. They were called their feast days. Okay, well, one of these people that's remembered is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was beheaded. Um, but they don't just remember the day of his beheading. They also remember his birthday. Okay, this will all make sense in a second. Okay, they remember his birthday. And he was born, he was uh, Jesus' cousin, and he was born how long before Jesus? Does anyone remember? Six months. Okay, what is six months before Jesus? Like, what? let's say, let's say, for example, Jesus really was born on July 25th. Okay, we don't know for sure. It's December 25th. What's six months before that? June 25th, okay? Well, in the ancient church calendar, they would celebrate John the Baptist's birthday on June 24th. All right, what happened this year on June 24th? Okay, something big happened. Roe v. Wade was overturned on June 24th. This is all going to make sense in a minute. John the Baptist, when he was still in his mother's womb, and Mary came with Jesus, God's son in her womb, comes to her, and, and it says that John the Baptist leapt for joy and was full of the Holy Spirit. Okay, he was, he was unborn, but he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was recognizing the presence of his Savior. And they were both there. There were people interacting on a spiritual level. Okay? So I, I, I think it's not just a coincidence. Maybe it's just a really cool coincidence that this was overturned on the day that, you know, historically the church would celebrate um, John the Baptist's birth, okay? And I want to I take this a little farther. Uh, I've got a passage from Malachi. What was John the Baptist sent to do, okay? Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this. Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and tie everything together here. It's a wonderful thing, and believers should be celebrating that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, but I want to tell you that what will really change things is when fathers' hearts are turned to their kids. Right? If fathers' hearts are turned to their kids, we won't need laws like to, to, to deal with abortion, right? Abortion won't be something people contemplate if you have a culture of fathers turning their hearts to their kids, right? Now, it's it's a cause of celebration for us. Some people are very disturbed by what happened. Some people are very angry. Um, and I'm going to speak to those people. I just feel I should. Um, and I'm not going to say they, I'm going to say you, okay? I want to speak to you if you felt felt this way. If you were angry about what happened, and you, um, I want to say, we love you. We have compassion for you, um, and 
God chose you, right? God chose to have you. God chose you. Maybe somebody else didn't in your life. Maybe your father wasn't there for you if you're someone whose father wasn't there for you, okay? But God is father. God is father before anyone else was a father, and he wants to be your father. That's the gospel. He, he proved it because he sent his son, Jesus. That's how much he loves you. He wants you. So I just want to put that out there. Just for all of us to remember. Um, so... And then dads, I, I just want to speak to dads real quick. Um, a lot of, you know, I know Father's Day is a week ago, um, but, you know, we should have like Father's Month, you know. There's other months for other things we should have. Actually, we can celebrate fathers all year, all year, all year long, right? Um, a lot of times, like, Mother's Day is go moms and Father's Day is come on dads, um, right? <laughs> I want to say go dads, and I want to I want to encourage dads. Um, you make a really big difference, okay? I'm a dad, and I'm praying God like turn my heart to my kids. Um, it makes all the difference. I, I've got on the another passage here um, from Exodus, okay? And Moses is asking God, "What are you like? Show me yourself. Show me what you're like." And what is God's response? about what he's like. He says, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I think some translations includes of a thousand generations of those who love me. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Okay. Um, what, the, what I don't think this is saying is that God is intentionally punishing kids for things their dads did. Um, but what it is saying is what dads do have has consequences, right? And, and if, if your dad has made bad decisions and you've grown up with that, you feel those consequences, Right? But it doesn't have to continue to the third and fourth generation. This is naturally how things work with sin. It, it, it ruins things in families' lives when, when, when the father is, is absent or makes bad decisions. But it doesn't have to continue. My dad did not perpetuate what happened to him, right? And actually, when we are faithful as fathers it can have an impact that will last a thousand generations. Right? So I just want to encourage the dads. Y- you could affect millions of people just by being a dad. You could, you could end up having children who are the next Billy Graham, who are a missionary to some crazy place and bring the gospel to people who have never heard it, who become righteous judges in the Supreme Court. Like, 
you have no idea what you could do. So I just want to encourage you with that. Um, thank you for taking a minute to listen to me. Thank you for supporting us um, in Chad, in a difficult place. Thank you for praying for my parents. I know your prayers have made such a huge difference in, in pulling my dad through. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Noah. We're so glad to hear from you today, and we're glad to have you with us, and we do love your family. You are family to us. Um, we did mention that we are able to give to them uh, monthly, and we do that through your generous support. You guys are the ones giving to them <laughs> and doing that. Um, so we just want to invite you to give to them today. If it's laid on your heart, if you would, just you can go to the app and quickly give. Um, and I'm just going to pray for you and your family, and then I'm going to jump into the second part of this message, if you'll hang with me. Father, we thank you for today and for the word that you're speaking. Thank you for bringing Noah here. Thank you, God, for his family that ventures out beyond um, just borders that he's familiar with, God, with these nomads. And we pray that you would just continue to birth vision in them and dreams, and that you would cover their family, touch Paul's body. And God, just continue to speak to us this morning. We thank you so much for your love. Amen. All right, so I'm going to just, for a few minutes here, kind of close out the service with a small word that I feel like the Lord um, laid on my heart for today specifically. Um, and really, it's just been on my heart for a little while. And then this week in conversations and then in um, prayer gatherings, I can see that the Lord is putting it on several of our hearts and your hearts. Um, and so I will just talk a little bit about that. But I'm convinced that God is looking for people who are willing to step outside of themselves. So he's looking for people's hearts that are not so tied up with themselves that they are unable to see where God is working and what he's doing with them. And he's looking for pioneers. Um, it's interesting that Noah mentioned that he's standing on the shoulder. I mean, everything that he talked about this morning, he's standing on the shoulders of his dad because his dad made the way clear, right? He, he cleared the path for him to be able to walk in what he's walking in in faithfulness today. Um, I believe he is looking for pioneer churches. So not just individuals that are willing to walk in these ways, but churches and full bodies that will say, yes, yes, yes. We will set aside our own desires, our own plans, our own wants, our own wills, um, and step into that. So the definition of a pioneer is one who goes before to remove obstructions for the purpose of preparing the way for others, which as we know, John the Baptist, as he mentioned, prepare ye the way of the Lord, right? So that's, we're stepping into that and preparing a way for others that will come behind us. So I believe he's looking for those who are willing to step out of the familiar, um, those familiar feelings that hold us back or keep us quiet, maybe. Um, maybe it is pain cycles that we're stuck in, which I'm going to talk about a little bit, or our own insecurities, um, even our own desires. A lot of times we do have dreams and things that God has planted in our heart, but sometimes I feel like we get stuck on a way that we think that the dream should look or could look. But if you're pioneering, you're moving into a place that there is no, it doesn't look like anything because you haven't even been there yet, right? Like you haven't even seen it. 
Um, so in the word, he used individuals in really powerful ways to step into these new areas and new places with boldness and followed the Lord's leading and direct guidance. Um, so a little bit more about pioneers. I feel like they are people who care about others more than they care about themselves. And they're people that are willing to lay down their lives for somebody that they may not even know. He mentioned the thousand generations that are going to come behind you. Like, that's not a tangible thing that I can look into their eyes and say, I'm willing to lay down my life for you, you know. But those are the people that we're laying our lives down for, all the people that come after us. Um, They are people who don't take no for an answer. Like, they know that the word of God is true and right and real, and they're willing to step into what God says and what he is doing. So I'm talking about spiritual pioneers that aren't lulled to sleep by religion, as Joy talked about this past Wednesday at Deeper, and people that are hungry, like that are not satisfied, and they're just digging deeper and more hungry, as Matt shared with us two weeks prior at Deeper. Um, so in the Word, it's often, you can see, especially within Jesus' time, um, how it was often the cry of one person, uh, one person that came with that cry of desperation, sorry, um, that made religious leaders uncomfortable, but it was that person who gained the undivided attention of Jesus. So there is a cry of desperation that can come out from us. And again, I'm talking a corporate, in this, in this case, a corporate cry of desperation that can really rattle religion and grab the attention of Jesus. Um, so pioneers are convinced that God goes before them and they press into the things that are beyond their natural fear. Like, yes, we have fears in the, nat- in the natural, right? But we will press beyond that because we see where God is taking us. Um, I'm going to just point out a story in the Word that I think kind of features this a little bit as quickly as I can. I might put the, put it on like, you've listened to podcasts, put it on like two, you know, like 2.0, whatever it is. <laughs> Listen to podcasts really fast. Um, so we're going to talk about Joseph, and I'm going to depend on some previous knowledge here of Joseph. So if you're not familiar with the story, it's in Genesis 37 through 45. I encourage you to read it. But God used Joseph's life and story to bring rescue to his entire family, and they were the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Um, and he was able to sustain them through a horrible famine. Famine. So Joseph walked through some really uncomfortable places and some serious training ground to get where he was going. Um, And with this, he was able, we're going to read it together, but he was able to reframe what happened to him in his life um, at the hand of his brothers, which were very real, true, and factual events. Like these things actually happened. His brothers were horrible to him. (laughs) They threw him in a pit. They intended to kill him. They, one brother spoke up and said, hey, let's sell him. And so they did that instead. And then he ended up having additional years of hardship and prison and things of that. So, but in the later years, we're going to read together where he was able to reframe this. So with the help of the Lord. Um, And he could not have done this if he had not already come to that point of both forgiveness and just a genuine closeness to the heart of the Lord to see what was taking place. So we're going to read together in Genesis 45. It says, 
please come closer, he said to them. So this is Joseph talking to his brothers that have just arrived at this palace in Egypt. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine has, that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and preserve many survivors. So here I just want to point out that there are some deeply tragic things that, that some of us have walked through in our lives, right? And the Lord, I believe, we can, if we are able to, to walk in forgiveness, the humility, and look to the Lord and say, how can this be used to build you up and to bring life to those that are around me? How, how can I reframe this in a way? Um, but in order to do that, you have to be willing to go places that other people are not willing to go. You have to be willing to step again out of that comfort zone, out of what's comfortable, sometimes face the pain as Joseph had to do when his brothers arrived. Um, But the Lord can redeem these things. He can redeem these things in our lives. And he uses the rescued to rescue people, lives. Um, The Lord was taking him, we can see, through some severe training (laughs) um, through this intense time. And I was talking to one of our teams recently just about this a little bit about the testing of the Lord and how I, for some reason, I know the goodness of the Lord. Like I feel like he's walked me through that to really know that he's good through and through. Joy, you touched on this the other night. Um, It is all good. All parts of the Lord are good. So in this with testing, I always had this kind of negative association to it, almost like a cruelty, like, ah, I'm going to fail, you know, or like, oh, that part, why is that person being tested so, ter-? you know, like, I don't know. Anyway, um, and I feel like it's lately that the Lord is showing me, like, that is actually a, a way to display to him, not to others, but a way to display the growth, the intimacy, the moments, the closeness with the Lord, the dependence on him, the reliance on him. Like, when you give a kid a test in school, you're not giving them the test to see what they don't know you're giving them a test to see what they do know, right? And so for some reason, I had always just kind of connected it with like, well, this is how far I'm going to fall, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's the, actually the opposite. This is how far I can stand up now because you are carrying me and you're holding me and you're, you know, bringing me through this. So um, I just really, I feel like, as I mentioned, that this is a corporate thing that the Lord is asking um, us corporately? Like, are we willing to step into what's uncomfortable? Are we willing to break past some of those pain cycles, some of those insecurities, some of those things that might be holding us back so that we can pave the way forward for those that will come behind us? Um, will, we, will we trust the Lord in his goodness, in the testing and in the trials, and look to him to be um, that place? Worship team, you can come. I'm sorry. Um, to be that which will, I lost my train of thought when I invited you up, (laughs) Um, a corporate house. So Joseph in Egypt, he, he ultimately what that was, the Lord was using him as a house of provision for this family that came. And I, I personally 
breathe. Um, I just feel like lately the past several months in my times with the Lord have just really felt that like he's looking like he's just looking like who who will build my house? Who will be my house of provision? Who will be my house of blessing to people? Who will be these these places, these houses of peace where people can come and experience peace and rest? And um, it's just beautiful the way that he used Joseph to, to go ahead of these brothers. And they were cruel to him, right? But God had a plan and God desired to rescue his people because of the covenant relationship. And so I just want us together um, as both individuals, obviously it is an individual walk that we have with the Lord, right? But together that we could just say, yes, yes, we will be a house of provision.